0: Filling a gap by providing you with a virtual or on-site HR resource, or providing advice via our HR support line, we'll help you resolve whatever human resources challenge your business is facing. Okay, let's get started. Hello and welcome to another episode of the HR Room podcast.
1: Firstly, Happy New Year. We hope you all had a lovely Christmas and welcome to the first of our episodes of 2023. To kick off 2023, we wanted to keep in the spirit of New Year's by chatting through New Year's resolutions for HR professionals, and help you start your year on the right foot, setting you up for success in 2023. So, joining us today to share their thoughts on what HR professionals and teams should be focusing on this year, we're delighted to be joined by Megan Power, HR consultant here at Inside HR. Thanks for joining us, Megan. How are you?
2: I'm good, Alan. Thanks for having me.
1: Brilliant stuff. And as always, we're joined by our very own Mary Cullen, founder and managing director here at Inside HR. How are you, Mary?
3: I'm great. Thanks, Owen. Enjoyed Christmas and all that. So it's uh, lovely to be with you I'm back back in the seat again. And Megan, welcome to your debut podcast.
2: Yes, my debut podcast. Very excited to be here.
1: Brilliant stuff. So awesome. let's jump right in. Um, I suppose I'll come to yourself first. So what's the first thing you think HR teams, HR professionals should be kind of looking out for, focusing on or kind of developing this year? Uh,
3: I'm always talking about strategy, Um, It's probably one of the things anyone who's, who follows the show and listens throughout the year will know that I talk about strategy uh, probably every week. And so many HR people tell me that they're not strategic. Um, and, you know, I, I believe if you're able to plan can be strategic so as a starting point new year's resolution you need to stop telling yourself that you're not strategic and you need to start thinking about how you can be strategic and not reactive so i would start with what's the plan if you haven't got one already for 2023 what are you going to achieve over the course of the year how how are you going to measure its effectiveness and uh, how are you going to get the budget and approval for the things you know that the organisation needs in 2023. So first major resolution, stop saying you're not strategic and start figuring out how to be strategic because it's an important skill in HR. Brilliant. And I
1: suppose kind of digging a little bit deeper into that, Mary, is there things that I mean, is that just a skills based thing? Is it a confidence thing? Is it is there kind of little things that people can do to kind of get started? What's your what's your thoughts on that?
3: When I talk to HR people and when they make that statement to me, I usually try and explore what do you mean you're not strategic? Um and often it comes down, I think, to an understanding of what being strategic actually is. Um and you know, to break it down into its simplest form, it's about long-term planning, whether that's over 12 months, two years, three years, uh, and linking into the organisation's business plan and strategy so that, you know, you're adding value and making a difference. And usually by the time you get to the end of that discussion about whether or not you're strategic... There's almost like this light bulb moment where people say, ah, I could be strategic, but I just need to stop and think and stop reacting in the way that I am um, and focus in on what I want to achieve over the year. And look, you know, for anyone who's out there in that standalone role, I know that's more challenging. Uh, when you don't have a team behind you. Uh, But that being said, that's not a reason for you not being able to be strategic. So if you're trying to figure that out, well, then maybe you need to um, get training. Maybe you need to build your confidence. Um, And you probably need to think about being strategic Um, In terms of the HR function, but also to think about yourself and um, whether you as a person can develop those key skills. Uh, It's certainly the next step for any person who wants a seat at the table. It's not a magical skill. Uh, that only other managers have. And often HR people seem to think, well, the financial controller has it, the uh, CEO has it, the CTO has it. Everybody seems to have it but HR um, in their mind or in some people's minds. It's not a magical skill. It's a discipline uh, and it's something that can be learned. Uh, uh, and implemented and can make the world of difference to a HR person on the journey onto that next stage in their career.
1: Absolutely. And just kind of, I suppose, last bit on that, Mary, it's kind of the perfect time to do it as well, isn't it? In the sense that, I suppose, over the past couple of years, HR has kind of got a seat at the table in the sense that we were, I suppose, kind of leading a lot of the the change change management during COVID engagement, all that kind of stuff. And that's also coupled with the fact that given that so many HR people were so busy last year, they want to do things that add value. So it probably is one of those things, Mary, to really kind of unlock that next step and really get that voice at the top table, isn't it? Oh,
3: 100 percent. I mean, in 2022, we saw salaries rise hugely uh, for HR people. So organizations are paying more. For the individuals, for the function, um, and you would hope that correlates to being valued more at the senior leadership level. Um, the time is now. Build the skill, uh, look at what you need to do, look at power and influence and uh, what you need to do to, you know, I suppose, speak to the right people, be around the right people. Um, you know, put in place a plan that the rest of the yes, senior leader, leadership team uh, can get behind and buy into. Um, it's not a magical skill. The time is now.
1: Perfect. So over to you, Megan. So I suppose what do you think people should be focusing on this year? What's the kind of important thing to focus on in the the HR world in 2023?
2: Yeah, so for me, and I think my one of my number ones in terms of resolutions for HR professionals and linking with Mary's, you know, um, you know, skill in terms of strategic um, thinking would be a focus on diversity and inclusion. And that's certainly something you can't do if you're reactive. It certainly has to form part of a, of a HR strategy, um, you know, and HR professionals play a key role with, within, you know, ensuring that there's diversity and inclusion um, within an organisation. You know, the moral case for doing this is, is indisputable and we all have a right to attend work, you know, in a safe, supportive, you know, an inclusive environment. But it's also vital for the sustainability of the business. You know, the world of work is is changing and it's becoming more diverse and inclusive, thankfully. And your staff that are entering the workforce Are coming from environments that are more diverse and inclusive. So, schools and universities, and you have to be offering a workplace that reflects that. And again, that's where HR professionals will come in. They will play a pivotal role in making sure the organization is both diverse and inclusive.
1: Definitely. And at the end of last year, I think we put out a poll back in December about, I suppose, kind of challenges for, for 2023 and looking ahead to this year, one of the big things that came out of that was that kind of retention talent, that kind of piece. So I think, I know there's obviously way, there's so many benefits to diversity and inclusion and, and it's it's a huge topic. But I think when it, when we look at it through the lens of attracting people in and keeping people in a business, that's, again, something that can really help out getting that inclusion bit right, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's
2: what you're going to find people are going to look for more or are going to move away from businesses that don't have it and don't offer it. and don't get me wrong, it's you know it's it's not an easy task um, and it's not a one-off initiative. so it's not a resolution that should be just there for 2023. It's an ongoing process of continuous improvement um, and organizations and the HR professionals within that, need to recognize, you know, that a diverse workforce needs an inclusive environment, that initiatives and policies have the support of senior management, the senior leadership team, and that, you know, there's a strategy there to support the achievement of business goals, but, you know, providing for diversity and inclusion. And I think a really, um, you know, interesting growing area of workplace inclusion is actually in the area of neurodiversity where we see the differences in in human brain function. And we've got ways of alternative thinking now, you've got dyslexia, autism, ADHD, and these individuals have quite unique strengths. Um, They have data-driven reasoning and profound ability to spot trends and process information um, at extraordinary rates and and different to um, neurotypicals you know, being able to tap into that and create an environment that supports those individuals will open up huge up possibilities for the organization and companies themselves. And it's it's a growing area that we're seeing, I suppose, more focus in now.
1: 100%. And I suppose when companies do want to kind of get a head start or even assess where they are with diversity and inclusion, it probably is the case of looking at all the different areas within it. I suppose I know we have the the nine grounds and the quality equality acts and that kind of thing but I suppose it is taking that holistic approach as well making isn't it, seeing where you are and seeing what you have to do next
2: yeah I mean it's it is an over kind of an overarching and maybe for some HR professionals it can seem overwhelming and on the surface everything looks you know okay so maybe let's not poke the bear but you know that's I suppose not the attitude that should be taken and you know, it can start with things like your policies and your practices, things that HR professionals play, you know, a key role in um, to personal behaviours. And again, this is where HR professionals will come in, you know, it's about addressing those issues or those behaviours that aren't appropriate um, within the organisation. And, you know, by managing any kind of equality or diversity issues um, that do that do come up, but um, HR will play an absolute key role and. Yes, I would say it could seem overwhelming, but it's about starting where I think we often tell HR professionals starting that start with your policies and your practices, you know, and, and go from there.
1: 100%. So two very big uh, goals to look at. Great start to the pockets and two very important um, topics and, and things people can do there. So I suppose, Mary, what's next? What's up next in your kind of um, to-do list this year for 2023?
3: I'm always a belt and braces kind of person and um, just feeding back into what Megan said about policy and practices, Uh, you know, so many of our clients have told us, you know, that they're updating their policies and procedures and, um, you know, they they want to update whether it's on um, diversity and inclusion or bullying, harassment, sexual harassment, or uh, whatever it is, so many organizations just put that on the long finger. Um, And I never really understand why, because it's the backbone of the relationship between um, the employer and the employee. And, you know, when things go wrong, in the employment relationship you always fall back on your policies and procedures and look that's not the only reason to have them in place and you also want to tell your workforce about the really positive things that are on offer and the really progressive way in which you support your employees through their life cycle with the company Um, but You know, so often when we're doing uh, a bullying investigation or a sexual harassment investigation or something like that, we discover that the organisation, irrespective of size, I'm going to put here, you think if you have a large HR function that these things are going to be done. That's not always the case. Um, We'll find that the... um, dignity at work policy hasn't been updated since the new code of practice for the prevention and resolution of bullying came into effect uh, or that the uh, new code of practice on sexual harassment and you know you're on the back foot straight away if those policies haven't been updated but again belt and braces start the year as you mean to go on make sure you set aside the time yourself to get these things done and not to push it off into 2024, which so many people have done over so many years. You know, there's when we sometimes review and update them for our clients, you know, we're going back to 2019 uh, and even earlier. Uh, since the policies and procedures uh, have been updated. And don't forget, an awful lot has changed in the last you know, five years in employment law, and it's continuing to change. We've got sick leave coming next year. We've got um, the right to request remote work. Um, we've got a whole range of changes that are going to happen, never mind when it comes to case law. So. Belt and braces, resolution number two from me or number three from both of us, <laughs> um, make sure that the backbone is there, that you can fall back and rely on those policies and procedures when you need them and that they're modern, progressive and written in plain English so that your employees can understand them. 100%. Gone are the days, I think, of big books as well. I think yeah. it's probably far more digital these days. Um, But again, you know, you've got to think about a way whether you're going light touch or heavy, it, it doesn't really matter. They still need to be updated. 100%,
1: and that's actually the perfect go on to my next question, Mary. I suppose it's, it's an awful lot about how you get the policies out there as well, isn't it? It's not just about looking at them every year, keeping your ear to the ground for employment law changes, but also having that focus on right, making sure that every, everybody knows about them and managers are trained and all that kind of stuff as well, Mary, isn't
3: it? Yeah, it's a, it's a bigger job than just writing the documentation. So a lot of HR people feel that when, when they write the policy and they send it out, however they send it out, generally electronically these days, that the job is done. Actually, uh, I would go a lot further and I would arrange information sessions with employees, um, highlighting anything that has changed, anything modern and progressive or, or beneficial from their perspective. But always, you know, the backbone of your policies and procedures too, so that people fully understand them. Um, and I would really focus in 2023 on training the line managers. They, they, as I often say on this show, are the greatest point of risk. When we look at when things go wrong, we're usually looking at something that the line manager has done, not the HR Manager, not the more senior leadership team. We're usually looking at the line manager and something the line manager said or did um, that was misinterpreted or maybe interpreted as as it was meant, and um, a huge. Uncontrollable spiralling mess developing from it. Um, so I would absolutely, in twenty twenty three, focus on on bringing those policies and procedures to life through awareness amongst the employee body through training of the managers. Um, and that may involve developing specific guides for managers too. It may not be enough to just simply have the same policy that's provided there to all staff for managers as well. Managers really, really need to know um, at, in, the, in the moment of work, in the flow of work, what needs to be done and how it needs to be done. And those guides can be invaluable for them at that point.
1: Mm -hmm. I suppose it's it's the the whole point there is doing the full job, looking at the whole project and how it is implemented. Because I suppose it's one of those ones that if it's done right, can save a lot of time and a lot of stress down the line as well. Um, So Megan, over to you. Anything else on your kind of HR to-do list, what people should be focusing on for for this year?
2: Yeah, for me, my second resolution, and I think... This year, maybe more of a focus than ever is what's, what, you know, HR and employers are doing, planning to do to retain um, their staff, you know, planning ahead um, for the staffing needs of a company, I suppose, is ever more important in the current labour market. And what we've seen over the last year, and um, certainly in the world of recruitment, is you've got legislation and being brought in by the government in terms of rights around sick leave, rights to request remote working, and you're combining that with a competitive labour market, and employees are definitely looking to see if the grass is greener um, elsewhere without a doubt. Um, it's been noted that I believe 80% of employers are expecting to give pay rises, you know, in 2023. So like what is your retention strategy? What are you offering your employees? Where are the benefits? Why should they stay with you? You know, those sort of questions need to be asked. You know, recruitment was very tough in in 2022, a very competitive market. And then employees in the background are seeing these rights to paid sick leave and these rights to request remote working. And if employers are hesitant or, or, or pushing back, it can lead employees to look elsewhere. As we've been saying, for the whole of 2022, it is a candidate's market at the
1: moment. Yeah, definitely. And I suppose a lot of it, again, Megan, is about looking at that whole employer value proposition, the packages that's, that's there for you and that kind of stuff. And I suppose it probably is the perfect time, again, much like the, the last couple of things we spoke about, probably is that perfect time to do it. Because although there has been a lot of change in the past couple of years, it definitely hasn't stopped. And a lot of the stuff there, even around kind of gender pay gap reporting, those kind of things, there is going to be some more changes in that so it probably is again a case of looking at everything holistically as well making this in it and seeing what works for your people
2: exactly and you know i've certainly got the impression that the the basic package of your your statutory leave your access to a pr prsa is not winning the war you know it's not winning the war on talent so is that a conversation you know that hr need to be having you know what can we offer you know employers will be limited you know especially our, our small organizations but maybe it's about thinking you know outside the box and it isn't all about um, the financial perks good management is essential um as well in retaining staff managers and this is touching on 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 Mary's last point as well like managers need to know how to manage employees but that's just not about telling people when they've done something wrong you know are they engaged are they motivated Have they seen recognition for work well done in the last year? You know, do they have objectives for the year ahead? Maybe in December, employers have done, you know, the annual performance review. That's kind of the most common month we see that happening. But what's the plan for that conversation? How is that going to flow um, into the new year? You know, is there a plan for when those objectives are going to be discussed? You know, again, because the last thing you want is for staff or managers to see it as that sort of tick box exercise and we'll get to December 2023 and we won't have discussed a bit of what was in the annual review in 2022 until that point so it's about um, looking at the management the engagement and the motivation um, of your you know of your st- of your staff as well they need to kind of in my view they need to walk out of a, a performance review feeling valued feeling recognised for the work well done and and feeling they know their place within the organisation for the year ahead, whether that's, you know, talking about potential career progression opportunities or that they're doing a really good job where they're at and the employee is happy with that. Like not every employee is looking for progression, but that doesn't mean they can't be engaged and motivated either. So that to me is a real key one um, for 2023. 100%
1: One hundred percent, and it's all well and good looking externally. Of what the, the market factors are out there, but a big piece of it, big piece of it, sorry, is that internal knowing where you stand, knowing where your employees stand, and what they want, and that kind of stuff as well. So absolutely making great one there as well. Um, so so we do kind of three each. So this will be your your last one each, because I don't think anyone can do more than three New Year's resolutions. I struggle with one sometimes. So let's keep it to three. It's kind of a safe number. So, so I suppose, Mary, what's your kind of final one for for this year that you think is important?
3: Uh, just as well, we're talking professionally owned and not uh, personally, because I have a whole range of uh, resolutions every year, personally, that uh, don't quite pay off in the way that I expected. I'm sure a lot of our listeners can empathize with that. Professionally, I tend to be a little bit better in, in ensuring that I'm uh, achieving what I say I'm going to achieve at the start of the year. Um I would very much, uh, as Megan says, it has been a candidate market in 2022. And, you know, HR people and talent acquisition people have actually been pulling their hair out, trying to source um, talent and skills for the organisation, trying to adequately resource the organisation. So, I would recommend that as my final uh, resolution recommendation, that um, HR really focus on candidate experience, because it's so important to uh, making the difference between uh, being able to successfully hire someone or not. So when I talk about candidate experience, I'm talking about right from the start. What is your employer brand? Um, what is the proposition? What are your advertisements like? Where are you actually sourcing and attracting people from? Have you opened your mind and looked at skills rather than necessarily uh, only looking to previous experience in a particular role. You have to decide whether you're going to buy or build. And I don't think a lot of HR people spend enough time thinking about You know, if we're buying, what's the cost to the organisation? And that links back into strategy because, you know, we're always using agencies. And again, you know, I have used agencies throughout my entire career and have great relationships with many agencies. But there's a cost associated with acquiring your talent and your skills and your resources through agencies alone. So you've got to make the decision. Are you buying? Are you building? you also then need to look at the speed at which you're doing things um because a larger hr function or a talent acquisition team are going to be moving at a pace of knots and they're competing for the same talent as you are um and the faster you are from um candidate's application to candidates being interviewed to job offer to contract issue uh, and whatever background checks you're doing, uh, the more likely it is you're going to be successful in getting that person to the table. It's not all about money, although it is important uh, and it factors into people's decisions. So you really have to look at what are you offering is it competitive with the marketplace and if it's not What are you going to do about it Um, and how do your benefits stack up in comparison to your competitors? You must look outwards. If you don't look outwards, you're not going to be able to effectively resource the organization. And that is a key function for most HR people, um, whether they're directly involved in in the talent acquisition themselves or whether they're overseeing uh, talent acquisition within the organization. And then you got to look at, well, can we streamline? Are there um, apps or tools or systems out there that would help us do this faster? Can we source faster? Can we interview quicker? Can we implement new technology uh, that will help us do this job at a faster pace? Um, And, you know, what is the actual experience like for the candidates so few people survey interviewees or candidates after an interview to see how have they found the whole experience of interacting with your organization i think some will be quite shocked and look i regularly have discussions not just with my own team but uh, with other hr professionals about whether they ought to reply to people who apply for roles or not. My view is absolutely yes. If someone has taken the time, you respond. Why? Because it's all about your brand and you've got to be delivering on what you say your brand does. Uh, And part of delivering on any brand promise is courtesy and courtesy to uh, a candidate is key. Now, look, we're all out there at the moment being ghosted by candidates who apply. You think, excellent, brilliant profile, exactly what the organisation needs. Let's get an interview organised. You know, five reach outs later, no response from the candidate. Um, And you've no option but to let that particular application go um, but that doesn't mean you can't be courteous yourself or that you shouldn't be courteous yourself. so again, that comes back down to systems and processes and approach what are we what are we saying uh, as our brand and are we living up to it uh, and then from the time you hire because we know that people are continuing to interview even after they have uh, been offered a role, accepted a role, signed a contract. People are still continuing to interview and look for the best deal that they can possibly get for themselves, whether that's in terms of the model of work, the hours they can work, the money they can earn, the location they're expected to be in, the style of business or organisation that they're going to. And so let's keep the candidate engaged because sometimes people have a long notice period. um, And between offer and start date, you might be looking at six weeks, um, two months, three months. And, you know, what are you doing? What's your process for engaging with those people over that period of time? Um, there's lots of things you can do. You can be very smart about it. And it all comes back down to understanding who we are, what we stand for, what our values are, how we want to treat people who apply to our organisations, how we keep them engaged, how we present our organisation as a place somebody wants to work in. Um, and that is the great challenge for all organisations or has been the great challenge for all organisations in Ireland in 2022, without a doubt. It has been torturous trying to find talent, Um, but sometimes we're not actually helping ourselves. So my view is, and the recommendation for the third resolution is review the entire process, make sure it's fit for purpose, and think about each step very carefully and what you're communicating to that candidate. 100%,
1: 100%, we do have a number of podcasts actually related to that topic. I suppose we have one with Rory Conroy from Diligent, which was um, the end of twenty one and end of 2021 on onboarding and this kind of thing. Um, so I'd urge people to have listened to that and have a flick through some of the other ones, that's a very important thing we have covered. So huge thanks for that, Mary. That's, that's also a, a fantastic one. Um, so final word to you, Megan, I suppose. What's your final recommendation, focus point for, for next year? Or this year, sorry.
2: Yes, the third, but I suppose by no means the least is to keep informed Um, the employment landscape is, is ever changing. It's grown a lot in the last number of years um, and 2023 is going to be no different starting with the 1st of January. We're going to see the introduction of our statutory sick pay scheme and equally we, we should expect the implementation of the work life balance and miscellaneous provisions bill. It's currently making its way through the legislative um, journey, but it is fast approaching and appears to be very positive, I suppose. And touching on my first point around diversity and inclusion, you know, it's going to, you know, offer the right to request flexible working arrangements for caring purposes, the right to leave for medical purposes, for carers and employees with children up to 12 years of age. And the extension then of the entitlement to breastfeed and lactation breaks from six months to two years so it's i suppose in a nutshell um, it's very much to design to allow for a better work-life balance for parents and for carers and to encourage i suppose more equal sharing of parental leave between both men and women and try to improve the rep- representation of women um in the labor market but Keeping informed is so important because um, the government just a few weeks ago um, announced that they are actually integrating the right to request remote work um, for all workers into that work-life balance and miscellaneous provisions bill. Um, So that was a change and with with such big legislative updates coming and ones that have such a far-reaching impact on policy and practices, um, it's so imperative um, that we take time as HR professionals and I know we're so busy, um, but that we take time to stop and keep informed and keep learning.
1: 100 percent It's kinda of one of those things, Megan, I suppose, where you only see the value of it when if you haven't done it and you only see the, the comfort in it when you have done it, I suppose, isn't it? I think a lot of those things are if you're up to date, at least you know what's happening, what's current and what you have to do, but missing it, you might get a you might get a fright when an issue comes comes around so i suppose for you megan how do you kind of keep up to date with that kind of stuff is it webinars podcast this kind of thing or i suppose it is a challenge for a lot of people isn't it
2: it is it is it's a challenge it's about finding the time first and foremost i think it's about diary management you just have to put it in your diary and if you see you know like a webinar like ours on you know those hr employment updates which are so they're invaluable to hr professionals. You book in and you attend um, because that's the best way, in my view, in keeping up It's things like this podcast and our webinars um, to to keep informed on upcoming legislation. Because it's not just, you know, those webinars don't just give guidance on the fact that the law is changing, but they also give guidance around um, how to implement those changes and recommendations for best practice as well. So for HR professionals, in standalone roles, those resources can really be invaluable because they may know how to do it, but just actually need that reassurance that that's the right way to go about it.
3: It's really interesting, Megan, because so often HR people tell me that they just don't have the time. Yeah, And, you know, I, I think maybe 10 years ago, I would have got that because You had to attend in person, you know, a training course or a formal education program or, um, you know, go somewhere to hear a talk from someone. But nowadays, knowledge is so accessible. Um, And, you know, I'm a personal favorite of podcasts because I find it's a way I can learn, you know, while doing something else, uh, while going on a walk while, um, you know, doing something on the Saturday morning. I can pick my own time and I can learn during a period that suits me without taking away in any heavy way from the rest of my life. That's not to say you're going to learn everything you need to know in HR from a podcast, from a webinar, from, um, you know, a training course. You're not. It's going to be based on your experiences. It's going to be based on those around you who mentor and coach you. Uh, it's going to be based on your education and what you listen to and what you do. Um, but I think it's a really good starting point for people who are overburdened in in heavy HR roles where they seem to be working long hours and really struggling to balance their personal life and their work life and learn at the same time. But as soon as you stop learning in HR, um, you're not serving your organization. You are not delivering what the organization needs you to deliver because you do not have an eye on the future. And you've got to have an eye on the future. You've got to have an eye on what's happening outside your window. Why? Because you're competing with others who do have their eye on those things, who are anticipating market changes and trends, who are coming first to the market with something that people are going to want to work with. I, I had to laugh um, only in the last, you know, couple of weeks, my 20-year-old son who works in Scotland sent me a message to say, "Is Ireland introducing the four-day week?" Um, and I had to laugh because he's hell-bent now on how can I get this four-day week <laughs> that I'm hearing about. So the organisations that are out there front and centre, doing something different, embracing something bolder, brave, um, are really capturing the hearts and the minds of uh, employees who have decided, yeah, I want to work and I want a good career. I want a good life, but I want balance.
1: 100 percent. And I suppose it's all about kind of staying ahead, seeing what's out there. And there is so much to keep up with. So getting falling behind so early on in the years is, is not wise. Um one bit of help on, on that matter, I suppose we do have our employment law update for 2023 webinar at the end of this month, where we'll be joined by the wonderful Jennifer Cashman to discuss, I suppose, the employment law aspect of looking ahead to this year. So we do advise you to, I suppose, as one of your maybe smaller New Year's resolutions, sign up for that and make, maybe make a first step in, in getting up to date on that kind of stuff. So look, thank you, um, Mary and Megan, for a lot of great resolutions there, a lot of very important things to focus on. I know some people might think that some of them are quite complicated, they might seem like big projects. But I'm three days into trying to give up chocolate and crisps now, and they seem a lot easier than than giving up those. I'm struggling already. So hopefully it does kind of alleviate some people's worries there. And look, all these things are obviously worth it as well when we look ahead to to next year or this year, sorry. Uh, and and I suppose prepping for success for for this year. So thank you to everyone for listening as well. We we'll catch you for the next week. We we'll catch you next week, sorry, for the next installment of our podcast. So don't forget to click subscribe and join discussion on our social media channels. And as always, for HR consultancy services and management you can trust and advice on anything we spoke about today, do get in touch with us today at
0: insighthr.ie. Thank you, Megan, and thank you, Mary.
3: Thank you both. Thank you
0: all. Thanks for joining us today on the HR Room Podcast, the podcast series from InsightHR HR that helps you create the human resources systems and workplace culture that's right for your business. For show notes and bonus content, go to www.insighthr.ie forward slash podcast. That's www.insighthr.ie forward slash podcast. We'd love it if you subscribe, like, and share the show with any friends and colleagues who are looking for fresh ideas on how to create the ideal workplace for their business. And remember, if you need any HR support, get in touch with us at InsightHR. Whether it's conducting a complex workplace investigation, filling a gap by providing you with a virtual or an on-site HR resource, or providing advice via our HR support line, we'll help you resolve whatever human resources challenge your business is facing. Thanks, and see you soon.